Welcome to George and Charlie off the bridle in association with Fitstairs. Apologies that we've been on a, a bit of an extended break for all sorts of reasons, but we're back now with loads to discuss. Don't go anywhere. Here's episode seven from series five of George and Charlie off the bridle. George Scott, Charlie Fellows and myself, Tony Rushmer here, shooting the breeze at Bedford House Stables, home of Mr Fellows. We've got the Rugby World Cup coming to the boil, the Euro Championship qualifiers drawing closer to a conclusion and the Cricket World Cup ongoing. Never mind all that. The big question is, who's going to end up with more winners in 2023? Scott or Fellows? Current score, Scott 31, Fellows chasing him down or not, 28. It's a nip and tuck battle, chaps. It'd be interesting to to price that up, wouldn't it? I'm trying to think how much more, because uh, you've just said off air that you don't have a huge amount of ammunition left to go. I said I've, I'm on fumes. I'm okay. I've got a few more winners left. Not loads, because it's that time of year. It's a funny time of year, really, in the sense I hate that... this time of year. Yeah, I absolutely can't stand it either. I hate this time You just of year. don't quite know whether they're, how they're going to run, whereas this year I've been so accurate on how each horse is going to run. This year, I, at the, excuse me, in the last three three weeks, I had I think I had fifteen runners in the row, in the first three, and including four or five winners. Mm. I've had like twenty five mm. in a row uh, without a winner. So it's just that it's just it's switched off overnight. No, see, my, overnight. My horses are running well, but it's just it's just, it's just end of the year. Horses are tired. Injuries. I've had a lot of injuries recently, bad ones. Really? Yeah, cloud breaker. Nice oh, finish. Ruptured a tendon in the oh. race. Out, finished. She'll go and have babies. She's got a lovely pedigree. Yeah. But she was going to be a really nice filly next year. And I hate it. I, I was watching it at Ascot. Um, and I watched the race and I hated the way she crossed the line. Because normally, mile and a half, she hits the line really strong. And she, hit, she was nearly... Well, pulled up across the line. I was like that. I just had a feeling, and you know, you have a feeling. I just had a feeling. Yeah, it didn't look good. Shame. How frustrating. Um, it was a, one of those funny days because Atrium won the 180 grand handicap that day. Um, the Dream ran a cracker. I had a two-year-old run an absolute stinker. Who is off to the sales? And then Cloudbreaker career over. So, so that's racing it was just, right there in one racing day. Racing in a nutshell in one day. And I didn't know whether to be happy. I was gutted about Cloudbreaker. Obviously, I was delighted about Atrium. He's off to the sales. But yeah, it was a funny day, that. So yeah, back to that. It's going to go down to the wire. I do have bits and bobs. I mean, I think I could scramble another couple of winners, but that would probably... So you'll have to have at least... You'll have to have at least five winners to beat me, I think. I know I've always said this, but I actually really don't pay much attention to number of winners. I just never have done. It's all about prize money for me. And we're, mine's all we're about... about to- we're about to break our record again, 600 grand for the first time, which considering I've got nearly half the horses we had about three or four years ago, is good going. So Yeah, you're giving, you're giving me a good thumping on prize money and my strike rate's a lot better than yours. Yeah. Record prize money this year, 600,000. That's a big positive. Your strike rate's been pretty healthy and it's still hanging in there just because you did so well through the spring and summer. Um, you know, it's been another really good year for you, hasn't it, George? Yeah, it's been a solid year. You know, obviously the prize money levels aren't as high, you know, as high as, as they will be in the future. But that that was part of the the rebuild. You know, it was about getting out and winning races. And 
we've we've done that especially with the t-rods and we've had a really fantastic sales season beyond my wildest dreams to be honest um at this stage we bought some nice horses and um you know our spend has been considerably more than we've had before and you know we've looked to buy some sharp horses but also some horses with some you know a bit more a bit more pedigree and a bit more stamina in there so yeah, it's, it's been a fantastic few weeks. Charlie, tell us about how hard it is to work the sales, because I don't think people understand how ruthless it is. I, I went to book one, obviously, and there's just a, a smaller number of buyers involved. You go to book two, it's like cutthroat. How do you get the right horse there? Because there's so many trainers landing on the on the good ones. I think you have to have a very good team around you. I think you've got to try and look at as many horses as you possibly can, because at the end of the day, book two, there are so many horses in there, you cannot look at every single horse. So it's all about splitting up, having a team you trust, a team that you think will, ju- you know, good judges, uh, highlighting the horses you want to go for, and then, you know, putting them up to owners, having the right owner. It's 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 hard. It's it's hard. And you're you're running on fumes anyway, because book one is quite long. You've already been to Goff's Fairy House, Donny, Arcana. So the last six weeks have been absolutely manic. And then you get hit with this mammoth final week, which is book two and book three together, where you are literally just pounding around tassels, looking at as many horses. Yearling start looking, they all look the same. You've seen so many, but every now and again, one will come out and you'll be like, wow, that is a belter. And then you just got to find someone to buy it or be brave enough to buy it on spec. And you landed on one, didn't you? We read about that. The son of Wooden Bassett, uh, knocked down for maybe three fifty guineas, something or in the yeah, three fifty. I mean, so, so tell us about a purchase like that. That on the face of it looks exciting. What was it that attracted you to that horse, and kind of what's it like when you get one over the line? Because you're obviously up against stiff competition when you're bidding on a horse of that ilk. So we had we'd been looking. We, we I have I had one really nice order, and it's a criticism, but it's also a strength. I am a complete perfectionist. And if I don't like a yearling, or if I can find even the slightest thing wrong with a yearling, especially with a big order like that, I will not buy it. And it drives people mad because horses, they're all different shapes and sizes. And just because you don't like every single aspect of a yearling, it doesn't mean they're not going to be good. And the most important thing in a yearling, George will agree, is not what you can see. It's what's inside. It's the heart. And it's that sort of you know, their desire to win. And you can't see that. So a lot of what you're looking at is purely binary, but I am, I just can't do it. We bid it on some really nice horses that all make way too much. He's a professional. I always taken the mickey out of him over the last 18 months. He's a professional underbidder. They literally underbid 19 horses. Less so this year. year. Over the last two years. Last year was bad. This year was nowhere near as much. They're like bidding away and then all their heads drop and they walk out. We bid a lot of money on a Frankel in France that we underbid. There was only one horse in Ireland that I really liked. She made a load of money. We got nowhere near her. But one, the two million pound Frankel was top of our list. Got nowhere near him. We went in thinking we had you know, a right chance and it just kept on going. And then I found this wooden basset down in um, in uh, the wall boxes at Tassels out of a Galileo mare. The Galileo mare wasn't very good, but um, she was a half-sister to Paul Moir, proper Derby pedigree. And it was just one of those horses, the first time I saw him, he just knocked my socks off. And I just thought he looked like a proper horse, real deal. Every time he walked out, showed great. 
And he just had a proper pedigree as well. Yeah. Which stud was it? Container? Mimi. Mimi and oh, right, okay. WH Bloodstock. Yeah. Mimi and right. Violet. And he's owned by a, a guy called George Von Opel's Westerberg, who's big in there with Coolmore. And it just, he was just a lovely, lovely, lovely horse. And we were lucky enough to buy him. And I think. But tell me about when, I mean, I bought some ex- expensive horses and just tell me, I, I used to maybe a couple of years ago get really excited about buying expensive horses. But now, since we've been a bit more educated, put some manners on us by the game, it's really, it's just, it's a relief to get a nice horse. But then it's like all about the, the track, isn't it? You know, I, do, you, do you get a buzz out of the sales? Buying, buying an expense and uh, buying any horse really, or yeah, I think so. I think so. But it, as you say, you know, whatever they've done in the sale ring means absolutely nothing. And there are a lot of very expensive horses that go on to be complete and utter, utter flops. And I guess that's what makes the industry so good because if it was simple and you know you knew exactly which ones were going to be good, then Godolphin would have every good horse in the country. So that's the way. And it's just it's just being lucky enough to find the right one and then hope that he actually turns out to be good and has a heart and that desire that you need to run through a brick wall and win proper races for you. George, Charlie made an interesting point when he said that he's a perfectionist. How much do you allow for the odd imperfection in a horse? And are are you cut from the same cloth as Charlie when it comes to it's got to be perfect, as much perfect as it can be? Or do you sort of allow for the fact that there are the odd imperfections within horses they can still run? Yeah, no, I'm not a perfectionist in that in that aspect because I, you know, I agree with Charlie. Like, you know. it's definitely a flaw. I look at it as a, as a flaw. It's not a positive thing. It holds me back because just because I think the horse looks perfect doesn't mean they're going to run well. And I've bought a lot of horses that I absolutely loved that have been no no good. But especially with that big order, yeah. I, I just couldn't bring myself to buy something that I wasn't 100% happy with. I guess when you're spending a less money, you forgive stuff. Yeah. But we also focused a lot more on pedigree this year. I forgave pedigree too many times in the past. And pedigree is so important because if you've got a mare that's not producing horses that win and has had five foals of which one of them has won, likelihood is they probably don't have the will to win that you want. So we've given much more credence to that this year as well. What about you, George? Pedigree or just the, the horse that fills your eye, the confirmation then and there? What, what, where, where are you trying yeah. to, the marriage between pedigree and confirmation? We bought a lot of reasonably priced price horses over the last couple of years. And, you know, a lot of them have been re- a, a lot of fun horses. So, no, I'd be much more about the physical than the pedigree at, 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 at a level. When, you're, when you are spending more money, then you can, you can have the luxury of bringing the pedigree into, a, into account a lot more. But really buying the sort of lower end horses, it's more about the physical. I wouldn't even look at the pedigree at all for, for, the, for the cheaper horses. I'd just be trying to buy horses that I like physically. And then obviously for the bigger orders, then you start to integrate the pedigree and things. Well, not start to, you take to massively into account the pedigree. But I'm a great believer in just working every sale as hard as you can, scrapping for every horse, try and get as many heads over the door as possible. And, and the more you've got, the better chance you've got of uh, finding finding racehorses. And that's my, much more my motto. You know, and, uh, we were lucky enough to buy some horses that we really wanted to buy this year. But uh, yeah, numbers are good. Hopefully we'll be around, 40, have around 42-year-olds by, by the spring. And, and, you know, that gives us a chance to find, find the next, for, to find a good one, which is what we're all trying to do. You got many to sell? 
Yeah, I mean, I've got my trading partnership, which I buy eight horses for. So I probably... Did you fill that? Did you buy the eight? Yeah, I have to. I have to buy the eight to but then sell them. them. Yeah, yeah, I've got them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're all in. Yeah, yeah. So that's eight horses, eight eight shares. So it's effectively like having a horse in training, but you, but know. you haven't sold all the shares in the partnership. I haven't, I haven't started yet. I've already sold three, but I haven't I haven't even done a. Fact, I haven't. I I buy the, all the horses and then spend the next couple of weeks getting organised and then spend the winter selling. Okay. So I have those to sell, but I had the Senders partnership this year, which I sold out without too much fuss. So yeah. I'm not too worried. And then yeah, I've got another like a house, like a you know a yard horse on spec. Mm. So that, that that that's it. But the the one thing that can keep me awake at night in the past is having too many horses on spec and having too much money around my neck. I think that's the one thing as a trainer that can really make life very scary. But this year I feel very comfortable. I didn't buy anything expensive on spec. Um, I don't feel in the current under the current climate. You know, it warrants spending too much money on spec so i've got one i've got one expensive one on spec that i need to need to sell yeah i was about to say that's not which one the calyx oh the calyx from tats island yeah i need to get him sold yeah he was a lovely I mean, he's, a, he's a lovely horse but i just as i said to you at the time for me spending that much money on a horse in spec it, it doesn't make sense because i know if i buy these cd horses on spec i know that we can win those cds and sell them it's just it's hard to sell more expensive horse but i only had two horses vetted in the whole of that sale in ireland and one was your calyx you're, and you're about the fourth person that said that to me yeah which is encouraging but it still hasn't got got it sold yet what else have you got on spec two partnership bedford house racing partnership horses that we should have no problem selling shares in and a baited breath filly that i bought the other day that i've got 25 percent to sell was that the one that you bought in book three when you were like following one in she was book yeah book three off Hillwood. Yeah. But yeah. Nice, we're, racy we're, filly. Yeah. We've got we've got 30 yearlings in at the moment. We're breaking them. <laughs> it's just chaos. Oh, my God. How the hell? It's chaos. Uh, but I, but as I say, I... Then, you, so you break them in all yourself? Everything, yeah. Jesus. It's good money. Yeah, yeah, you can't... I can't afford to outsource 30 horses, you know, and especially horses that I own myself in trading How do you have space in the yard? Well, we have... We have 70-odd boxes. And do, have you, like, do you give... Boxes of everything's steam. had a full really moved everything around over the last six weeks oh, everything's wow. had a full steam and a full clean and we've got a lot of horses out now on, on breaks that we're keeping and then we're selling in the horses and training so are you selling many at horse and training i think we're selling 11 okay you i'm not selling loads but what i am selling is good i'm selling kit. some nice kit it would make a lot of money but again would you like to be really keeping any of them yeah damn right i would i'd love to keep atrium I'd love to keep Cumin and Nimbus. Wouldn't mind keeping Shabazz, see how he runs on Wednesday, but I, they'll all go. When you sell horses at the horse and training sale, or is it down to you or your owners as to whether there's a reserve on them and kind of what's the process f for you? I mean, do you, do you want, in, for instance, Atrium, who won the other day, fantastic, you know, great to see him winning again. Horse like that, you don't want to see those horses go through the ring f f for a value that, uh, that perhaps is not what it should be. Well, I, I mean... How does I, it work? I, do you know what? I am, I've actually don't think I've ever sold... I, don't, I haven't sold a really nice one for High Clear in the past, so I don't know what their policy will be. I very much doubt that they'll let the horse go for nothing. I, I mean, it'll be up to them. I'll yeah. speak to them in the build-up, see where we are, see how much interest he's had. I presume he will be... I mean, of all the ones he's going to make, you know, uh, he could make a lot of money if he vets clean and 
has plenty of interest. So I, I think we'll just try and assess it in the build up to the sale and then make a valuation on that. And a horse like him, will he go to kind of Australia, Hong Kong or somewhere like that? No, he won't go to Hong Kong because he's too old. I'd say Australia is the most likely place for him to go. Yeah. I suppose he could end up in the Middle East. But yeah, Australia or the Middle East. I would have thought. So the policy when it comes to reserves, etc., is that set by owners or trainers or something that you work on collaboratively to just collaborate? Yeah, ultimately, ultimately, it's the owner's decision entirely. But you know, it's, I, I, you advise. You advise. Yeah, and the, the ninety-nine times, ninety-nine out of ten times, they'll say, "Like, what's your advice?" And they'll take your advice. So. Before we move on to other matters, one last thing. You've mentioned you've got a bunch of yearlings in. Yours will be coming in, Charlie. Is that a time when you can look at your stock, the young horses, and it's actually a little bit less pressure for three or four months where you can just enjoy looking at them in your mind's eye, envisaging where they could go and what they might be without having the gun to your head of there's a race next week and there's a one, that, you know, we've got to get them ready for that. It's just that three or four months where there's a little pressure release or am i wrong no i love i i consciously don't run many horses nat from sort of you know over the winter because i'd like everyone to have a bit of a break from the racing and we we have all the yearlings in so yeah it's it's a nice i mean you're just walking down the bar now and it's just i my mind is just like I just can't wait to gallop them in the spring. <laughs> like I just, yeah, you know, these two-year-olds. Like we bought some really sharp horses and like, but like kind of expensive sharp horses. And I'm just like already excited about it. But yeah, to switch, switch, switch off a little bit. Not switch off. You never switch off. But I mean, it, yeah, it's a different. For me, anyway, in our yard, it's a different. We're, we're messing around with the yearlings now. Yeah, so it's not so much about the racing. Aside from the cold, which we all hate, we all agree that, do you enjoy the winter months when you're learning your new young stock? Because they're, they're all a dream at that point, aren't they? No, so, I despise it. Absolutely despise the winter. Like the winter. I hate the cold. I hate, I get bored. I, it's, at, the, at this point in time, it feels like utter heaven not to have runners every day. In two weeks' time, I will be bored out of my mind. <laughs> So, no. I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice to have a little bit of a... November and December are always nice, and then you get to January, February, and it's, you're done. You've had enough. It, I'll be racing weather in gets... January and Feb. I'll get a load of everything. We'll start racing end of Jan, Feb. Older horses. Yeah. Try and get off to a good start. Change attack. Let's look at... We've, we've done the sales. Let's look at the track now, as in what's just happened at Newmarket over the weekend. We've had Future Champions weekend there, Friday, Saturday. And then we'll sort of look ahead to Champions Day Ascot, Frankie's uh, big mount in the Champion Stakes, one or two other matters relating to Mr. Dottori. But just before we get to that, boys, City of Troy, how good? Yeah, he first time out was extraordinary. I think that the, the writing was on the wall first time out when he couldn't put him up. Like that is so rare. And, you know, he's, Ryan's talked about it again since. He's like, I just, I've never not been able to put a horse up. He's, he's, he looks an exceptional horse. And what's so nice is obviously he's by a young stallion as well that we don't know. We're starting to, the indications of, that he's a very good young stallion. But yeah, he, he just absolutely took him apart off the front and back ground, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't think, they didn't think he'd like the ground. I'm not sure how much I like the comparisons to Frankel quite yet. I know I'm probably speaking to the right audience here with you two, but he's obviously very, very, very good. And, you know, good luck beating him next year. But for me, Frankel at this stage had done more and was more exciting. Then no one's saying that he's, you know, he's the next exciting horse since Frankel. I mean, I, I, I tell you, was it like, you know, you think about this is the best horse I've trained and the best horse I've ridden. And then like, you think back like Johannesburg, if you look up Johannesburg as a two-year-old, 
he won first time out um, for, for Aiden. Then he won the Norfolk. He won the Morney, the Middle Park. And then he went to the Breeders' Cup, stepped up from six to a mile, and an extended mile, and bolted up in the Breeders' Cup on the dirt. I mean, like, just, I just think, you know, compared to what, say, City of Troy, I know City of Troy has been so impressive, but like, it's, it is early days to start saying about best horses, but. But they always do that. But, but Ryan's jumped on this one. Ryan has jumped on this one, which is very unlike Ryan. So he's obviously, but yeah. I'm not saying for one second he's not the best horse I've ever had, but like, yeah. It's like he, what he's done. We've heard that song before, but we've we heard haven't it. heard it from Ryan. That's that's the that's the interesting part. I thought another horse that's done so well this year was Van Deek. Obviously, the Christmas yeah. horse. He's a, fr a, a friend of the show, <laughs> and I was a little bit I, not not disappointed at all. But I really hoped that Van Deek might be champion two year old. I thought it would be good for everyone involved. You know, the game. Um, but he won't be now because no. there's no way he can't can be. But Van Deek has been an, a rock star. A rock star to follow, and is is such an impressive horse, and he he's another very good the middle part field. Like like he was in a different stratosphere to that lot. He mm. was a very very impressive horse, and, and, and it, in any normal year he'd be champion two year old and mm. deserve to be. And isn't mm. it interesting that connections have already come out and said, "Do you know what we're sprinting with this horse? We're not going to try and stretch him out." And I think that's quite refreshing because often middle part winners, are horses that won impressively at six. Trainers always say, we'll get another winter over him and we'll try and think about possibly a Guineas campaign. Doyle and Chrisford have instantly said, Commonwealth Cup, sprinter. Yeah, it's just an obvious, it's an obvious, it's an obvious um, decision to make, isn't it? From from the horse's profile and pedigree and the way he goes through his races. But he's a special horse for yeah. them. And it's lovely to see some, you know, some friends who are doing well get hold of a horse like that and, you know, it's nice. It's, I've enjoyed it more. I've enjoyed that as much as I've enjoyed anyone's, anyone else's horse this year, to be honest. Sure. sure. Let's talk about um, the big the big question, well, the big uh, topic that's been on our minds since Frankie announced that he was going to continue, albeit um, in America rather than here, although I should imagine we may see him here at some point. What do we think? Um, just in general, Frankie continuing into 2024. Oh, yeah. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. Well, I knew he was going to ride in America for, for the whole way through, um, but I didn't think it, he yeah. would quite. I'm I, actually I, really annoyed because I'm going to his sodding leaving thing on a Saturday night after Champions Day, and it now means absolutely nothing. So I'm very, um, we're going with Emma Banks, uh, which will be great fun. But I can't believe I mean, it the, means nothing now. I can't believe the abuse it's, he's had over it. It's just ridiculous. Social media is just filled with abusive comments. I think it's the right decision for him and I think he's perfectly entitled to make the make that call. I think probably the manner in which he delivered the news was marginally regrettable. But I think it's great. I think it's great. I think he's riding amazing. He deserves to go out and he deserves to go out when he wants and I'm personally delighted that he's going to carry on carry on riding, but I can understand some of it, but I don't understand. I think social media is getting worse and worse. I mean I'm starting to real every time we get a horse beat, fancied, phone calls, text messages, emails, Twitter, get abuse all the time. I think it's ever been that. It's though. getting worse and worse. I mean, the trainers that I've known in this town over the last 20 odd years, they've all had it. Not so much social media 20 years ago because it wasn't around, but the phone, the messages on your answer phone things like that come in the office the next morning and there they'd be. Now it's, as you say, more immediate. It's straight away on socials. 
And it's just, it's just, had, just had, how? Why? I had a winner the other day, and someone abused me. <laughs> I had a winner at Windsor, uh, and I was delighted. And I got this no number call. Obviously, who'd backed the favourite, and they just started abusing me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Why does people? It. It's crazy. Yeah. On, on the personal note with Frankie, I'm thrilled that he's continuing because I love watching him ride. Mm, I think when you sure. watch him in the saddle. It's as near as poetry as we can get for, for our sport. He's, a, he's just beautifully balanced, fabulous rider, inspired rider. Unbelievable. And I still hope that we'll have him at Royal Ascot next year and beyond because if we have great sportsmen who are still performing to the level he is, just like Ronnie O'Sullivan in snooker, they're, they're, just perfect, they're just perfection at their sport. You want to keep seeing them. You don't want them to stop. If you love your sport... You want to see the best players. I never wanted to see David Gower give up cricket because he was just so marvellous. And I think, you know, do you not agree, Charlie? When we've got them as good as, as Frankie, when we've got them as good as, as I just mentioned, O'Sullivan and whoever, you want to see great sportsmen continue until they can't perform anymore. And Frankie still can. Yeah, no, I can. I completely agree. And he's still riding at the top of his game. So No, I think, we, I think that's I would, unanimously. Yeah. The, the, but we're just working out why... Because people well, he love to so complain about it. They just love it. to. They love to. It's it's people just, they just love I, to do it. I always had a hunch he'd, he'd continue. I didn't know in which way or vein or form, and you obviously knew a bit more than I did that America was likely. Um, but I always just felt that, you know, when you're riding as well as he is and you're enjoying it as much as he is, why would you want to stop? He's, you know, oh, why, why would you want to put it down? He's, he's brilliant. He's loving it. Let's carry on, you know? So it's what yeah. it is. Um, so just coming to Champions Day, do we think he'll have the the, the sort of Champions Day moment that uh, we'd we'd quite like to see him, whether that be on King of Steel or any of his other strong book of rides? How do we how do we see this weekend? Not just Frankie and on King of Steel, but just Champions Day in general. Ground's gonna be horrible, isn't it? The forecast is changing. More and more and more rain coming in now at end of the week. So that's gonna carve it up. Having I mean, looked like it was gonna be a pretty dry week this week. It's not now. When's the rain starting? Wednesday. Wednesday, and then it's wet all the way through. I mean, I am over the bloody moon, but I'll be one of very few people who is over the moon. Who do you want? The dream. Over oh, dream. Oh, is yeah. she staying in training? See how see how Saturday goes. And what's happened to the um? I'd that, say yes. That rogue of a thing that one finished second. I can't remember his name now. Paul Roy's horse. Grand Alliance. Yeah, what's oh, happened to him? He's an injury in France. He's oh, out for the rest of the year. He'll be, back, he'll be back next year, but he... You've only taken eight years to get his trip right. Tweaked a... God, that comment annoys me. Tweaked a... That's true, no? Sorry. That's true. He ran a career best over a new trip last time. At, at no... He didn't run a career best. His career best is still Royal Ascot when he was beating the nose. <laughs> and at no point in his pedigree does anything say two miles. Anywhere. Ever. He's only Ryan Moore. But it's one of those light bulb moments, isn't it? Because he's looked so under pressure at times and maybe he's just literally going as fast as yeah. he can. Well, that's what Ryan said. He said, You're not this, but this horse isn't the monkey you think he is. He just cannot go any quicker. Mm. So on over a mile and a half on bottomless ground at the beginning of the year, he's fine. But as soon as it quickens up any more than that, he just can't go the gallop. He's just he said at Newmark, he said, I genuinely was going flat out. It wasn't his attitude. Yeah. No, he could be. <laughs> and then in France, he travelled much sweeter and nearly won. ran a cracker. Bad won. dream, win or not, chance or not. I love that filly. Ever since she won a few quid for me at the Guinness meeting, I followed her. Are we going to have another go? Fingers she, crossed. I thought, her, I thought her prep race the other day was as good as we could have possibly hoped for. 
the worse the ground, the better her chance. If she does what she did last Saturday, behaves like she did in the prelims, jumps out and gets the position that she did, she has a huge chance because there aren't many horses on that kind of ground no. as good as her. Shaquille uh, is very good. Fluffed his lines last time. Be interesting to see what, you know, it is going to be specialist ground and she loves that ground. What price is she? 14s or something. She won't, if it if the rain comes, she won't go off 14s. She's in good order. I thought her prep run was great, but she is a nightmare because it just takes the tiniest thing to go wrong in the build-up and she'll go over the top or flip a lid or... But, Do you send her overnight? No. <clears throat> no, we don't. She went to Ascot morning morning of the race the other day and behaved impeccably, so we're not going to change same again, anything. Yeah. We'll do exactly I mean, the same. I, I found that... Not, and every horse is completely different. That seven questions of mine, he was just a f- complete rogue and so naughty, but talented. Like taking him overnight and giving me a ca- giving him a canter on the track in the morning of has made that all, has changed his whole mindset. You told me that. I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah. No, we're going to send her the morning of the race, but she seems in good order. She had a clear run. I just pray this week goes smoothly and the rain comes. Fingers crossed. George, you mentioned a horse I wanted to ask you about there. Seven questions. Obviously, he's run very, you know, he's run big races without quite getting his head in front in group company. What's the potential with that horse? And, and will he train on? Is he a three-year-old prospect, or, or just tell us a bit? Yeah, about there's no that reason horse. why he won't. He's he's got, you know, he's got the, pe- the type of pedigree to suggest that he he should go on. He's a good physical as well. But yeah, he's been really he's been really unlucky in a different world, and we don't live in a different world, luckily. But you know, he arguably could have shaken the favourite up at Ripon. It was drawn widest in the Cyrenia. You got beat ahead. That's got to, you know, got to cost you ahead. And in the Mill Reef, he was yeah. very, very unlucky. I mean, the Mill Reef's in serious trouble as a race. So it's just really. I think in the last five years, there's only been one winner out of the race, and um, it just comes at an extraordinary time with the Middle Park and the Dewhurst so close to it, and also races in France. Talking about that, did you see the thing about the Guineas, the two thousand Guineas this year? The first 12 in the 2000 guineas have not won a race. Really? Right? It's like, it is extraordinary. I, something like that. The first the first 12 horses home, August Rodin is pretty much the only horse out of the race that's won a race. It's like appalling. The it guineas, can work like that sometimes. Yeah. But the guineas traditionally is normally an exceptionally <clears throat> strong race because horses then go on from that to run at mile and a quarter even it's seen as the best derby trial by some so it's i'd say that's an absolute anomaly i know you say it can work like that i'm more in charlie's camp and say that is just like extraordinary and and unique is he finished now seven questions yeah he's only run 10 times so (laughs) (laughs) i gave him 10 times shake nasa came and saw him the other day he said ready for a rest now boy he's giving you plenty of racing hasn't he I think the horse that I'm really excited about next year is Watch My Tracer because I was, they were both in the sale and they both come out of the sale and he's just turned inside out in the last, since I finished ra- running him. So, were he, were they, they, they're both Colts? They're both geldings. They're both geldings. When did you geld them? Ages ago? Yeah. Did you? Last spring. Really? Before they ran? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I get. I gelded. I geld everything at the beginning. You know, start. Yeah. You know, but but sad. Not this year. We won't be able to with this crop of horses. So they both get. So they've gone out. Have they gone and left the yard for a holiday? They're going. They left just now. Yeah, for a month. Right. Yeah. Just a month. I'll just give them a month. They don't want to stand these horses. They like to be in their own yeah. box in their own the beds, warm, yeah. keeping warm. They don't want to be stood in a muddy field all winter. A lot of horses like that. I mean, Henry never let them leave. No. Never. 
keep yeah. them warm and just keep them safe. Yeah. It's a little different when you've got geldings who are sort of at a level, you can let them out and, you know, you yeah. need to switch horses around a bit. Are you travelling anything this winter? I don't think so. I don't think so. Gorak is pencilled in possibly for a trip to the Middle East, either Bahrain or Dubai. But no, I think I think quiet again. Yeah, I'm going to take Isle of Jura and Rocket Rodney to Bahrain for the winter. Uh, Rocket Rodney's one of those horses who's kind of just going to be running in those in those turf series races, which they which they put on, and you know I'm sure he'll just knock around and he might pop up. But Isle of Jura, I'm excited about. I think he could be a really good horse out there this winter. With just Bahrain or Carnival as well? In no, they're just going to run. There's plenty of good racing in Bahrain. For when them. do they go? End of November. Yeah. So they first they run on the eighth of December, both of them. Yeah. So okay, no, well we've had a good strong natter. Before I let you go, um, oh, just the Rugby World Cup. I can't let us go without hearing who we all think is going to win it and what sort of spectacle it's been, especially the quarterfinals weekend. The, the quarterfinals were absolute. Every single game was a belter. We've now got two dead semi-finals, in my opinion, which will be pretty one-sided. But then a banger of a final big beast of a new zealand new south zealand, africa, new zealand, south africa. Yeah. Yeah. i thought both teams i mean new zealand looked brilliant the other day i think south africa will be too good for them i think south africa's physical Power. they are i mean could you imagine lining up to play against that lot what, what about that lock forward, the number four who powered over? About four of the Frenchmen were trying to hold on to him. I've never seen a yeah. bigger, more imposing specimen than Lomu, you yeah. know, when he played. He was the only other one. Uh, that number four, I can't think of his name. But It'll be a great final, but I think South Africa South will win it. win, George? Yeah. yeah, they were awesome last night. I mean, their, wing, their wingers charging down the, the conversion was something you don't see. You saw two crazy incidents in that game. Two big decisions. What? What? One they charged down a, um, yeah. a kit, which you very rarely see, and the other one they took as they called a scrum instead. Of when he when when he caught it and called Mark, he he called a scrum. Beat them up in the they beat them up in the scrum, yeah. which is quite rare. So mm. it's just they're just they're just a really versatile team. Yeah. A phenomenal. And the winger, the eleven. God, he's he's speed ratchet. Yeah. I like their ten as well. He looks. He's. I could just imagine playing against him at school. He would have just run circles around everyone at school. Uh, England cricket team looked like they're underperforming and getting beat by Afghanistan wasn't the weekend result I wanted. I don't think anyone really cares about the cricket at the moment, do they? No, it doesn't feel like it. So it's just the Rugby World Cup for you. No, I disagree. I watch the cricket. We don't look like we're in the right state of mind. We don't look like the pitches are suited to us. Our bowling attack looks really, really bad. Weak, weak, it? and our batting we're batting poorly. Like we're we're in big trouble, big trouble. Like we've got South Africa next as well, don't we? And if we lose that, we're basically we're basically done going home. India to win, or do you think South Africa got a little chance? Yeah, India, India win it. They have to win it. They're way too good, and at home, India will win. Yeah, I agree. Um, so last things last, we say that your string are running on fumes. Well, they're not. Um, that's yeah. A few. I just say a few of them have come to the end, but I think a horse that maybe follows a horse called Serengeti Sunrise at Wolverhampton next Tuesday. Okay. I, he ran quite quietly a very, very nice first race and he's going to run there and Hopefully I'm not saying he'll win, but he'll be... He'll bang run, there. Yeah, bang there. There or thereabouts. Sure. Yeah. Charlie? I thought a two-year-old of mine ran a belter on debut the other day called Thunderette in a very strong novice at Nottingham. She'll go on from that. 
she's big, thick set filly, and she'll definitely improve. She, it was a good, it was a good novice, and she was fourth. She's one to follow. I need two more winners, I think, to keep him. I, I, I think if I get two more winners, I'm three ahead, five. I don't think he was going to have six winners between now and the end of the year. I think that's right. Sorry. Six winners? No, I won't. Have I need two more, and I, that that's re-motivated me. That has re-motivated me. On that note, fantastic. Thanks so much, guys. We really enjoyed recording episode 7 of series 5, but it wouldn't be possible without our amazing producer, Carl Homer from Cambridge TV. And it wouldn't happen either without our totally great sponsors, Fitstairs. Thanks for all their ongoing support of our podcast and a big thanks to Carl. The plan is for one more episode in 2023 and we're aiming to make it rather a special one. More news to come on our socials at Bridal Podcasts. On behalf of George, Charlie and also myself, Thanks very much for taking the time to listen. Goodbye.